Hey Felicia, some uh, some of us were talking about getting together to play Dungeons and Dragons this weekend. You in? Yeah, that sounds really fun. Um, is Chad going to be DMing? Oh, Chad would be an awesome DM. But uh, about Chad. What do you mean about Chad? In this episode of Becoming DM, what to do when you've been chatted, how to handle your first foray into Dungeon Mastering. Hey everyone, this is John. And this is Felicia. And, and really before we get too deep into this topic of like what happens when you get pulled into your first foray into DMing, we kind of have to address that there, there's a bunch of different kinds of first-time DMs. Mm-hmm. I mean, when, when I very first, very long ago, started uh, DMing a game, I had played Dungeons & Dragons for many, many years. I had had a lot of experience and seen a lot of different GMs do what they're doing or, or DMs. And and so when I started there, it was a very easy transition. I, I knew the rules pretty well. I knew kind of what an adventure looked like. Um, and then later on, I got pulled into new game systems. So it was kind of like a new experience all over, but you still had experience on the back end. Mm-hmm. Um, but but what about you? What's been your your experience? So my, my DMing experience was pretty much the opposite of yours. Uh, I was relatively new. I, I started off with Dungeons & Dragons, and my whole experience with that was relatively new. We'd been playing with one group off and on. For a little over a year, that group fell apart, and we didn't really have anyone to continue the the dungeon master role. Um, I ended up just going ahead and sort of taking on the the reins and seeing how that was. But I was not as familiar with the rules um, or with how everything went, uh, much less trying to run my own campaign. So it was it was a very new experience for me. Very much hit the ground running. Very much just try to figure things out on my own, um, especially because. We had so many people in our group anyways that were also new to Dungeons and Dragons as a whole. So it was it was it was definitely a learning experience. Yeah, and, and so and then even going even further in that direction, you still have people that, that get brought in to a role playing game and it's their first experience ever mm-hmm. with a role playing game. Yeah. And they get recruited to be the dungeon master because well hey they're the creative yeah. one in the group or something <laughs> like that. I mean, that's the the the, the the situation that would terrify me. Yeah, that's, um, that's kind of how I got drawn in. They were like, oh, Felicia, you, you love making stories. You love writing. You're the, the, that person that loves the whole you know, creative, uh, creative aspect of it. So you'd make a great DM. <laughs> so, okay, I'll give it a shot. So, I mean, when, when we talk about um, the types of DM, that kind of brings us into really what, what people need when they're first starting. And, mm-hmm. and if you are the type of DM that's done this before, some of this may be just, just I know this, I know this, I know this. But for, for those that aren't, let's talk maybe about what kind of gear you need. Like, yeah. Because it's, it's not just a matter of just growing up and saying, I'm a DM. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that would be great. But, that would be uh, great. Everything <laughs> fell into place right then. And, and really, in my mind, when we talk about the things that, that DMs need, mm-hmm. um, I really kind of see three core things and and you probably have a different list than I do, but the first and most obvious is is uh, it depends on what what it's called for the game system. But the the rule book, the core yeah. rule book for Pathfinder, Absolutely. or the player's uh, manual for D anD D, stuff like that. 
Um, second is pretty obvious. You need dice because uh, you got to roll for those NPCs to yeah. see if they're going to kill your, your adventurers or not. <laughs> and, and then third in my mind, and again, this is a very high level list, is you need to, as a dungeon master, decide whether you're going to do a pre-built um, adventure and if so, you need to buy those uh, manuals, the mm-hmm. modules for that, or whether you're going to do a homebrew, build-your-own type adventure, in which case you do have a lot of work to go into that. And we're going to get into some of that work in a later episode. It's really beyond the scope of our, our first episode here. Mm-hmm. But but beyond those three things, those are kind of the things that I, I see as table stakes. you got to have these. But but what what about you? What things do you see as kind of necessary? I, I definitely agree with the core rule book. One thing I discovered early on was with new players to um, our personal group, not everyone had even purchased their own book yet. Um, so we ended up having to share, you know, the, the couple of people that did know how to play prior to us and then um, my copy of the rule book as DM was just integral to like us moving the game forward because we just didn't have enough books to go around. Um, and kind of along those same lines, I've discovered just having extras of everything as DM um, has proven to be very, very helpful um, because people tend to forget a lot of things like their own pencils and their own paper and their own dice. Like you mentioned, um, extra set of dice is important. I think not just your own set, but having extra sets for other players um, again, especially if you know you're playing with a group of new people, chances are they probably don't all have their own supplies yet. Um, I guess I would say if, depending on the type of game that you're playing, you know, if, if you're using miniatures or otherwise, and again, we can expand on this topic on a different episode, but if you are doing something that's a little more tabletop oriented, um, I personally liked having my, I have like this grid that we have with the the dry erase markers and I have my own set of little figurines that I use for my bad guys and those are the things I do. We have very visually oriented players so um, for me I just kind of have like those supplies set aside. So I have my core rule book, I have my dice, and then I have my essential paper, pencil, figurines, map. And and I think you said something there that's really kind of core to the dungeon mastering experience Mm -hmm. is knowing your players because you're going to have players that, that think a certain way. Mm-hmm. You're going to have players that play a certain way. And you'll have those that, that want to do things like really intense role play and those that are become shrinking wallflowers as soon as role playing <laughs> comes into effect. Yep. And, and knowing how to engage them with how you're doing your job as dungeon master really helps define what things you're going to need to, to bring into the game. Um, as, as that starting point. No, I, I definitely agree. I think, you know, the type of DM you are and the type of players that you have within your group are the two strongest contributing factors to how the game is going to go. Um, I think that's just definitely going to determine even like the simple things, your basic toolkit, you know, not just the storyline. Um, you brought up a really good point about, um, you know, are you going to have a core, like whether you're going to build your own campaign or if you're actually going to do a pre-made campaign Um, and when I first started as my DM I did a a pre-made starter kit that had everything I needed. It had a set of dice, it had pre-made character sheets, it had the storyline, it had the core rule book um, inside of it already Um, and that essentially was everything that I needed just at least start like one 
campaign to get all the players started. So that was like my very first, when I first started as DM, that's how I ended up starting everything off. And that was then my learning experience about, oh, I need this and I need that. So. Yeah, and a lot of the systems that are out there will have um, have this beginner set. Like, so Pathfinder has the beginner's box mm-hmm. and D&D has a, a beginner set. And, and so it gives people the opportunity to um, start off with a much less intensive rule set uh, and also have everything they need to get started in one box without having to go, what did I forget at the game store? Yep. And, oh, man, I really wish I would have had this. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a great way to, to get started if you've never done a role-playing game before. Exactly. This episode is sponsored by Darkwind. When you need a break from dungeon mastering, head over to Darkwind a text-based, free, online role-playing game. With over 20,000 rooms across several continents, a player-run economy, and many guilds to choose from, Darkwind is the perfect way to spend your time away from your tabletop role-playing campaign. I play Darkwind myself. When you drop by, say hi. My name's Steelwind. To play Darkwind for free, visit play.darkwind.org. So one of the things that a lot of a lot of beginning DMs struggle with are the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mentioned this before, the beginner's box starts you off kind of rules light. Um, but if you're starting off with that core rule book, the player's handbook, whatever that, that beginning rule book is, um, there are hundreds and hundreds of pages of rules yeah. there. So it can really um, be off-putting uh, if you're getting involved in the game or... or I mean, maybe you're just really into rules and it can be like your, your nirvana. Um, but what do you really think are, uh, are the best approaches for a new DM when it comes to rules? Do they need to know all those things? I don't think, no. I don't think absolutely not that they need to understand or even know all of the rules. I mean, depending again on your players, you could have some players that are very experienced and know the rules better than you. Um, like I said, most of my experience tends to be with other new players, so they're only going to know what I explain to them. So I do try to cover at least the very basics, you know. This is, you know, it, it, Dungeons & Dragons, for example, you know, when you're doing something, oh, roll for perception, roll for initiative. This is a 20-sided die. This is like your, this is the one die that you need in every circumstance. You know, this is, if you're a spellcaster, you know, you have to go to sleep each day so that you can recharge your battery for your spells, or if you're um, you know, you, each turn you get one move and one action. So I try to, exp- like, you know, and then, of course, the bonus action. But I, I try to at least explain those basics. For me, whenever we were playing campaigns, we just would sort of stumble across the rules. Like, when a certain scenario came up and then it was like, oh, am I allowed to do this? Or what happens with this? And it was just as much uh, of, a, of an exploration for me as it was for my players. Um and sometimes, probably more often than not, I would honestly just wing it. The best of my knowledge, I would hope that it was the right answer, and I would just try to stick to it. I think as a new DM, even if you don't know all the rules, I think the importance is just consistency. If you do create a rule or if you do um, find a rule um, that is applicable in the big scheme of things, just to be consistent with it and just to make sure that you enforce that rule each time. But I don't think you need to be like, 
you know, a rule Nazi and just be like, this is like all these rules and we're going to play by these rules and I'm not going to allow for any flexibility. I think that's just kind of a bit of a buzzkill. Yeah. And, and you said something there about the, the, when you make a rule, that is, I think one of the big important things that, that, um, especially new DMS may not think about is when you make a rule, there are going to be players at your table that will consider that the golden rule that stands forever. So if you ever experience a situation that they're in at that moment later on, Mm -hmm. they will expect you to follow that same rule. Yep. So, (laughs) so there's a, there's a couple of things to, to keep in mind with that. Um, first off, uh, if you can quickly find a rule in the book, Mm -hmm. that's always the best typically. Um, if you can't, or you don't have time, um, then you can either do one of one of a couple of things. You can say, I'm going to make this ruling now, but guys, I'm going to do some research and I'll come back to you and come with a final final ruling for all future uh, future um, um, adventures. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you can say, I'm going to make a ruling. This is it. Yeah. This is it, guys. Uh, but keep in mind when you do stuff like that, you could potentially break the game uh, in the long run. Yeah. Because... Those rules, again, they stay with you forever. And if they don't make sense for certain situations that could be uh, twist what your ruling did, uh, it could really be a, be a problem for you. Yeah. I think flexibility then is, is also a key thing. Um, you know, I think, uh, for example, I was playing, I was doing a campaign one time and um, they were in a, in a, you know, so let's say like a dungeon or a dark room and, you know, we're like roll for perception, you know, and everyone rolled terribly. And the idea in that part of the campaign was that they had to notice something in order to move the game along further. They were supposed to stumble across something. So in that case, it's like normally you roll you roll low for perception, you know, tough luck. Yeah, what do we do now? We're all yeah, sitting around in a room. We can't around. do anything. We're in a room. <laughs> so in that case, I'm just like, you know what, go ahead and roll again. Um, just allowing that because, one, they're new players, um, and two – as a DM, I'm just not sure how to move the story along any other way except just to let them roll again. Um, so it's just sort of like, you know, you make the best of the scenario that you're in. You know, sometimes your choice only is to wing it. And honestly, how do they know any better? Like, when you're giving the rules, like, if you're allowing them to roll again, you know, for them, it's just like, okay, that's just part of the rule set. You know, if a circumstance comes where no one is has been able to achieve that bare minimum, then reset button. Let's try again. Yeah, and I, I think that that really the 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 core thing here to remember as a as a new DM is you need to have a good grasp on what the what the core mechanics of the system that you're playing in are. Mm-hmm. So in in D and D and Pathfinder, you need to know how initiative works. You need to know roughly how combat works mm-hmm. and and how hitting against armor classes and things like that works. Yep. And you need to know how skills work and how you roll those. Mm -hmm. Um, But when it comes to things like uh, understanding how to roll, what the difficulty is when you're swimming, uh, wearing armor, carrying a halfling on your back, and whistling Dixie, um, those are are very specific cases and and no reasonable... reasonable person is gonna gonna really remember what those rules are Mm -hmm. um, from the book so it's okay to look them up it's also okay if you have a player at your table that is one of those encyclopedic knowledge people to leverage them and say hey billy um 
do you remember what the rules say about this? Mm-hmm. Uh, because there, there are from time to time going to be people at your table that, that are the oracle of all yes. knowledge of your role-playing system. And hopefully they're not the people that, that will argue every point with you. Hopefully they understand that you're going to make some decisions counter those rules. Mm-hmm. But if you have those people at the table it, it, and you can use them like that, then yes. that's helpful too. I, I wholeheartedly agree. We have one gentleman in our group um, who is, he's been playing since the beginning of D&D time. Uh, and, and he, he knows every rule there is to know from past editions to the current edition. And he is always my go-to every time I have a question. I'm just like, uh, so what's, what's the answer? Do you know? Like, can you tell me, should I be able to do this? Um, I do also make it a point to preface if I'm starting a brand new campaign with a new group and it's a mixed hodgepodge of, of experiences, I do always let them know like ahead of time, like, hey, so, you know, I am relatively new DM, so just understand that the rules are going to be pretty basic. You know, um, if something does come up in question, we'll, we'll deal with it as it comes. But, you know, I'm not going to overcomplicate things or put out too many rules or make it too complex just so that everyone is able to enjoy it on the same playing field. And I think keeping that transparency and those open lines of communication sets everyone's expectations. I think as a DM, if you don't, especially as a new DM, if, if you don't necessarily make that clear to your group, if a group that has different experience levels, that you may end up having a bit of like headbutting or, you know, um, disagreement with ruling and things like that because none of that was really set, you know, ahead of time, made clear to like your group. Yeah. And, and, and if you do get to the point where you're making those judgment calls where you're saying this is the rule now, mm-hmm. um, you yourself need to document those. Yeah. So if you have some sort of a campaign log, it's nice to have a section in the back that says rules. And yeah. these are the rules that, are, that apply to this that may be different than what the book has. Because, yes. again, you're going to have those players that are, that are the oracle of all knowledge. And when you make a rule, that becomes part of their knowledge. Yeah, exactly. Um, Actually. <laughs> um, so it helps, it helps to remember by just keeping track of that. Well... Consulting the rules of our podcast, I think we have to move on to the next next mm-hmm. topic here. But uh, but uh, good so far. Um, so, really, the last thing we're going to cover here is is you've got all this stuff. You've got maybe you've got a, a, a an adventure module, or you've built your own campaign, mm-hmm. and you're and you're doing doing uh, uh, an adventure around that. But how do you get it started? You've got all these people, and how do you go from just having a bunch of a bunch of people mm-hmm. to having a party? All eyes are on you. Yeah, um, <laughs> and I mean, you you've got the I'll call them like the classic tropes. You've got um, you've got where you can meet in a bar or or have everybody get thrown into jail at the beginning for some reason, <laughs> and they meet there, mm-hmm. or or just randomly stumbling upon each other each other in the forest, and admittedly they're tropes so they always seem a little bit contrived um but it's it's an easy way to do it for sure so have you had any like really good like you meet in a bar type situations that you dm meeting in the bar has been the most common one for me just because i happen to be in a group where um several characters have come in and out and so when i'm interweaving characters the bar just happens to be the place to go because it it gives my Everybody wants to have a drink. I know. Right? He doesn't want to like have a drink and share it over a pint. But it gives me a chance to have my current characters recap 
what they're doing and chances are the new characters coming in either overhear the story or in some way become interacting or they, they somehow interact with the current characters within that bar setting so it just I would I mean I wouldn't necessarily say it's like a cop-out easy way out but it just happens to be the most convenient way for me to interweave new characters so it just happens to be my go-to but uh, when I did start one of my previous campaigns um, all of my characters happened to be um, delivering goods from one town to another and they were within the same delivery little delivery group um, on the path in the forest that was then like set upon by goblins so that even though it's like technically it's kind of in a forest but it was sort of like from town to town that was a, a slightly different scenario um, I haven't had the jail experience yet yeah I, I've I've played in a couple of campaigns where we all met in jail because we did some <laughs> heinous thing that got got us thrown in there. Yeah, um, which is always interesting because when you get thrown into jail at the beginning of an adventure and you didn't have a part in getting thrown into jail, it's mm-hmm. like, well, I wouldn't have done that. Right uh, now, what? But 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 some of the other ways that you can really um, really connect players together that, mm-hmm. that may require a little bit more work or a little bit more planning. Um, you can, you can, if you have backstories for characters, um, and, and your players actually put some effort into those backstories, you can try to weave those together. Again, you got to hope that there's some common thread that you can find there or manufacture based upon, upon those things. But that is a, is a nice way to have them, um, become committed to each other and not just say, I don't like this guy I met in the bar. I'm going to attack him. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great first impression. Um, and then the the other way, and this is probably my favorite way, and it kind of goes closely to what you were saying about them being guards of a caravan, mm-hmm. is to just drop everyone right into an action scenario. Yeah. So you give them a real, real brief description of, hey, this is what you've been doing for the past hour, week, whatever, you're traveling along something or mm-hmm. you're, you're, you've been on guard duty or whatever, and then just drop them into action. And by, by force of having a common enemy, becoming brothers in arms, yep. suddenly your players are now glued together uh, in, in some effect. I think that, yeah, no, that's a smart, a smart way to approach it. I mean, the caravan is a great example. I think there was one scenario you had done where it was sort of like new recruits, drafted into service uh, for one thing or another, or, you know, uh, a group of you in town happen to see the same bounty or same reward for mm-hmm. a certain X, Y, and Z, and so that's how they come across each other's paths. Um, just throw them right in. Yeah, I, I, was, I was GMing a, uh, a uh, Shadowrun game a while back, Ooh. and one of the guys was a Decker, so like the hacker type, and then they had a mercenary. And, okay. And so... One of the ways that I kind of tied them together is it started off, they were all separate mm-hmm. and they each had a job that they were working on that they got betrayed with. So the Decker's okay. ha- hacking into a door to open it up. He gets it open. He gets out of the system. And the guy he's on the job with says, there's been a change of plan and shoots him in the back of the head. Oh my gosh. And they all kind of find out that they've been um been betrayed by the same employer and that mm. kind of bonds them together so okay it's a lot of different ways that you can do it yeah um, just really depends on on what your players are going to respond to and and sure. how much work you want to put into it no yeah i think that's important and again like we were saying full circle it goes back to the type of dm you are and the type of players you have so 
Um, classic tropes off the beaten path, right? Yep. Depending on your scenario. So um, that was really all we had to kind of cover on our <laughs> yeah. first episode. Hopefully you enjoyed the first episode. We sure had a lot of fun talking about this stuff. Um, we're going to have a lot more topics, a lot broader topics so as we to move forward. About. Absolutely. Uh, but if you, have, uh, if you have ideas that you'd like us to discuss, please go check out becomingdm.com. Click on contact. We'd love to hear from you and, uh, and get your thoughts on the episode. Absolutely. Love to hear uh, anything you guys would like for us to talk about. Hi, everyone. It's John. If you like the show, it'd be great if you could go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from and like us. It really does help. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter or visit becomingdm.com for the latest show information. Becoming DM is produced by John Welsh and Felicia Martinez. The show is edited by John Welsh. We'll be back in two weeks. We look forward to seeing you then.